Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray. And welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Mark Griffith. I'm filling in for the very verbal Kevin Ray that cannot be here today, but we will continue on without him. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Let me tell you how you need to plug in with us uh, before we start our show, because i got a great show lined up and i got a good friend in studio with us. But uh, check out thehousinghour.com. That's where all of our past shows and treasure trove of information, as Kevin and I say all the time, uh, everything's there and about five years worth of shows all there. You can cross-reference an easy search bar. Check it out. We've covered all topics related to mankind. I really believe that. <laughs> so uh, you want to check it out there. Also, check out our Facebook slash The Housing Hour and Twitter at The Housing Hour. If you want social media, we are the hound dogs on it. So uh, check us out. And uh, once you find this show, take the podcast and share it with your families and friends and educate them. In our studio today, we have a special guest, good friend of mine, uh, Richard Swan, and uh, he works with Mortgage Investors Group, but he's here representing something else very important because he is the public affairs officer of the United States Coast Guard Auxiliary. That sounds really fancy, Richard. It does sound really fancy, but... Should I salute you or something? No, no, not necessary. Do you actually salute each other in auxiliaries? We do, yes. Do you really? Yes. And he is in uniform, so I'm going to take a picture of that (laughs) during the course of this show so I can show people how dressed up you are. You're very welcome to do that. (laughs) Um, I've been in the Coast Guard auxiliary since about 1988, Hmm. and we're all civilians. It's a civilian branch of the United States Coast Guard, and our purpose is basically to talk about boating safety, to teach boating education to kids and adults and to promote safety out on the waterways because we've got some beautiful waterways we have got beautiful water here in tennessee great lakes wonderful. you can go from the tennessee river right outside of knoxville and go all the way down to the gulf of mexico and i've actually i've actually started that um, i locked down a few times if you've never gone on a boat and locked down through one of the locks i think it was at fort loudon that's an adventure all by itself. Yes, it is. Make sure you tie up to the floaty uh, uh, buoy, and, not, not and, the stationary. And to tell one. you my boating experience, we used to canoe. I was in scouting. You were in scouting years ago. We used to put in below Chilhowee Dam. We would come all the way down the Little Tennessee River before it was Teleco Lake, and we would come back up through the lock yeah. and take out at the marina. And if you want an um, awe-inspiring experience... Lock through in a canoe. <laughs> no, I had a I had a twenty eight foot uh, cabin cruiser, and I locked down. And I, th- you know, of course, it was an early Saturday morning, so there was very little traffic. But then came this big barge. Yeah. I felt like a toothpick. It was very intimidating. Yes, and that's something that that I hope we get into later in the show is barges, because people don't understand a barge is like a train. It takes them about a mile if they are going and and running. It takes them about a mile to come to a stop. Oh yeah. So if you cut across their boat with their way their bow with a skier, oh. they can't stop if the skier falls. It, it's something that you really need to pay attention to if you're out on the lake. Because I had a V hull on my um, Owens cabin cruiser. Yeah. It was a 1958 
mahogany teak wood. It was gorgeous. But when those barges came down and the way they turn the corners in the lakes, yeah. they go out and they hit and they hit a wall of water and you come, it comes at you. I had to turn my boat into the wave or it would have knocked me over. Yeah. And, the, and they produce a, a pretty, but we've got a lot of pleasure boats now yeah. on Loudon that produce huge wakes. Yes, and, that's true. And that's something many people don't aren't aware of is that as a boater, you're responsible for any damage that your wake does. Right. So if you're throwing out a wakeboard wake or you're throwing out a big wake because you have a large cabin cruiser or a, a you know, 40 foot cruiser, you're responsible for any damage that that wake does. And, and how many times have we all gone down the river and we see a guy in a bass boat that has a very small gunnel on the, the side and they're right next to the shore. Right. Well, a lot of boat wakes can, can literally pull the water out from under him and then fill him up with water as you go by. So that's something that people aren't really aware of. But And it also seems like now when I had my boat, this was back in the 80s. And I think um, it eventually sunk. <laughs> wooden? So, yes. Wood, it was a wooden one. It eventually sunk. But, uh, you know, I, I kept it as float as long as I could. But I wasn't going to replace all the wood because it was way too expensive. It wasn't worth it. But during that period of time, when I was out uh, on Fort Loudon Lake, go take it up to Teleco, there wasn't that many smaller crafts out there. Now, at night, the bass boats would be zipping around. So, you know, it had a full galley on it. So we could camp out in the coves. And that was scary you have to keep yes. the lights out yeah. because of those bass boats could flying in there yeah but you know during that period of time there didn't seem to be the smaller crafts like the jet skis and those smaller types of things buzzing around it seems like there's more activity on the lake today than there was 30 years ago there is um there are a lot more people in knoxville now than there were 30 years ago there's a lot more um it, this area is huge for boat manufacturers. Yes. You know, see. you've got Mastercraft, Sea Ray, you've got other boat manufacturers, Malibu. All of those are making boats for people to get out and enjoy the water, enjoy the, the lake. And we hope people do that. That's what we, we want people to be out on the lake. We want people to enjoy the waterways. We're going to talk today. We want them to do it safely and to understand what they're doing when they're out on the lake, what their responsibility is, okay. and that they have to be aware of other people. So, so let's start. Let's start at the top of this thing uh, with auxiliary, the Coast Guard auxiliary. So, you know, I understand the United States Coast Guard. My father was in the Navy in World War II, so he kind of explained the Coast Guard and how all that stuff worked. He also explained to me back that, uh, you know, when I was a kid, that there was a period of time where personal crafts were. Uh, assumed by the government and and required to go out on patrols. Is that what we're talking about with auxiliary? Is that the same type of thing? It it is similar, although the the auxiliary doesn't assume people's crafts. But the auxiliary is made up all of civilians. I'm a civilian. I am not military at all. I am part of a military organization, but I am a civilian. I don't receive any pay. I'm not committed. I don't have to go out and do anything. But we use our own boats. So civilians are using their own boats that at certain points in time become a vessel of the United States Coast Guard as they are, as we are um, tasked with orders to do patrols. We have patrolled for Boomsday before we patrol for other patrols. We do a lot of safety inspections and our vessels become part of the, the U.S. Coast Guard at that point. But you don't 
do you have any powers on the water? We do not. We have no law enforcement power but at all. you can all. report. I mean, you can dial but, up an authority. Well, but at any time, a Coast Guard officer could board our vessel, and then he would have that power. He's just using our vessel, but he would have full enforcement power under the Coast Guard because he is a regular Coast Guard person. Right. But most of the times when we are doing patrols around here, when we're doing um, safety patrols and patrolling for regattas and for boomsday and things like that that have occurred in the past, we are strictly a a public relations type mission. We're there to help people enjoy, have a good day. Now, they will intervene if they see a safety problem. They would intervene. Like but a drunk butter. Yes, but they're not there to arrest people. They're not there at Scold. that point to 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 harass people, really. Right. They're there to watch public safety. Now, are your boats marked? I mean, when you go out on these patrols, or does it look like... Yes, they would, have, they would have a placard. They are not painted... They don't have painted hulls the way that the regular Coast Guard would on their um, boats, but they are marked with placards and they are identified with flags and things. So it's kind of like a neighborhood watch program on the water. It it can be that, yes. It can be very similar to that. And our goal is mainly in, in the U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary, our goal is to promote boating safety. Mm-hmm. We teach courses. Um, we teach courses for people to get their boating certificate, uh, which is required by state law now. And we teach just safe boating. That's actually how I got into the auxiliary as I took their course back in, I think, 1986 when I bought a boat. And as a part of that, I got involved in, in their mission. Huh. So, so the training that you supplied to the public, um, who, who's teaching, you know, the auxiliary, how did they get their foundation? Was this the United States Coast Guard teaching them at first and, and, uh, teaching them about regulations and things? Yes. They, they became a civilian organization. I think it goes back to 50s? probably, probably back to the thirties and forties. Oh, okay. I believe one of the first units was on Norris Lake here in East Tennessee, um, and, uh, Claude Fox, who many people in, ten- in Knoxville know was involved in that early operation. Um, and basically it's Coast Guard manuals. It's, it's Chapman's, it's other manuals that you learn and you take that information and then we compile it and impart it. And we have our own manuals. Now we have our own, um, safety courses for people to give them that information yeah and when we come back after the other side of this break we're going to get in more details about exactly the type of training that you do we have richard swan in studio with us uh, chief uh, information officer for the u.s coast guard auxiliary we'll be right back after these messages Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. And welcome back. Uh, This is Mark Griffith filling in for Kevin Ray. And we're here with Richard Swan of the United States Coast Guard Auxiliary talking about boating safety because this is the time of year that it is so important to make sure that you get everything 
correct on that boat and inside that boat and protect the people that are traveling on your boat. Because as captain, you're in charge of all of this, aren't you? What type of responsibilities does the boat owner have? The boat owner is responsible even if they are not on the boat. So that's something that does not apply in the case of a car. Um, but the boat Explain owner... That. Well, the boat owner is responsible for anything that happens with their vessel because the vessel is registered in their name. So they are responsible for its operation at any time. And even if they loan it to someone or let someone borrow it, they are still ultimately responsible for the vessel and how it operates. So if you ever have somebody that says, well, I don't know that I want you to take my boat out, that's because they know they're ultimately responsible. Oh, so it doesn't like insurance. It doesn't follow the... uh the captain, so to speak. So the boat owner is ultimately responsible on that. Yes. Okay. Now, anyone that's operating the boat can still be charged and could still be uh, fined by local law enforcement and state law enforcement. Um, so they, as an operator, are still at fault, but the liability rests with the owner of the vessel. So let's talk a little bit about what you do as far as the boat training, some of the important takes, you know, give me a ranking of the important things that you need to be aware of, the things that you emphasize in your training. We, we emphasize a lot of stuff in our training more than is really required. The main thing that I recommend that people get if they have just bought a boat is pick up a um, copy of the federal regs, um, which is usually available in a pamphlet or is it available in a, a handout um, you can find it if you go to Tennessee Boating Safely or Boating Safety. It'll usually pick up the TWRA pamphlet that talks about boating laws, regulations, requirements that you're required to have on board your boat. So that's kind of how I started. And then I got more involved with the Coast Guard Auxiliary because I said, well, this is good information. This is stuff that I need to know when I'm when I'm out there on the boat because I really did not have a lot of boating experience driving a boat or being out on the water other than boating with you know my family so you mentioned federal regulations versus now every boat is licensed in the state of tennessee so are there are there two sets of regulations of a federal and a state when you go out on the water yes oh, okay. um, well I, I didn't realize and it was federal most of the state agencies have adopted federal guidelines um, so the federal guidelines um, deal with navigation. They deal with the requirements of what you're supposed to have on board. They deal with personal flotation devices, fire extinguishers, all of that. Most of that is coming from federal Coast Guard regs that, that were adopted years ago. Um, most of the states have implemented their own boating safety agencies. The state of Tennessee is through TWRA, is the state boating um, office. Um, and that's Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency. Um, and so they have adopted and added some of their own regulations to the code um, to make it Tennessee state law. Hmm. And the, um, the Tennessee Wildlife Agency, uh, do they, are they the responders in case of emergency on the water? Who responds on an emergency on the water? That's a good question. And in this area, you're not going to get very immediate response in a lot of cases. Now, Knox County, Maryville, uh, Blunt County, the Sheriff's Office, Knox County Sheriff's Office, Knoxville Police Department, all have boats and have presences where they can get out on the water. But that response time may be limited in an emergency situation. If you have a marine radio, you can reach the Coast Guard. They're yes. going to be answering probably in Kentucky, but you can re 
reach them through a series of repeaters and you can reach them. So as far as immediate help, you're probably best to keep a cell phone with you. Yeah, call 911. To keep the numbers, call 911, but also keep the numbers of your local marinas. If it's a medical emergency or a fire or something of that nature, obviously call 911. Right. If your boat has just stopped and you're broken down or you're lost and you're not sure where you are, then probably call your local marina where you take the boat out of or someone that you know that's very familiar on the water and they they can maybe help you to find out where you are. And as far as the state requirements for licensing of a boat, because I know mine was a bigger craft. It was 25 or 28 feet. So I had to have the TN and then the numbers. I had to have the boat registered. Right. Do all boats that are on the water have to be registered or what? Are, what's the requirement for that? All boats do have to be registered. Even now, even smaller crafts like paddle boats? Um, anything kayaks. that's motorized. Okay, kayaks is, and canoes and things of that nature do not. Um, any motor boat that has a, a engine on the back of it or somewhere contained on the vessel, it has got even to like be. Even like a trolling motor? Would that, or is I'm that, not sure a yeah. trolling motor really meets that requirement, but most motors and and they probably would classify that as a motor okay so you, um, you have to because go you would probably have to to handle the the regulations that all other motor craft have to follow so if i was a if i if i was a passenger and been invited out on the boat um and i i don't really have a lot of experience with boating so but i've been invited out on a sunday afternoon um should I should be concerned about getting onto that craft to, to know that my captain or who the owner of that boat has done everything to secure my safety? What are some of the things I should be looking out for my family? Well, first and foremost, you want to listen to the captain on board, um, whoever owns the boat, whoever is operating, whoever invited you out there in charge. Um, now, you can question them about their experience, their ability, that type of thing, but you really want to listen to them because they should know more about their boat. They should know the safety features. They should um, show you where life jackets are located. They should show you other things about the boat, and they should acquaint you with the boat's features itself just so you're aware of what you need to do because it's not like riding in a car where you have a seatbelt, you're buckled in, and and you're just kind of driving down a lane. And um, But the operation of that is, you know, do you – question every driver before you get in the car as to how experienced they are or what their knowledge is or if they've had any wrecks or you know so we typically don't question drivers of cars and and you know i'm typically not going to question somebody that's operating a vessel if i get on their their boat one thing that i i would say in in response to that that um i would know how to operate that car if i was in a passenger seat and my driver became for some reason unable to drive uh, if they got injured or something what's the rules on the road as far as if i if i'm passenger of that car uh, of that boat and that captain no longer can captain or he's missing or he didn't come back from shore leave whatever happens he's not there don't i have certain responsibilities as being on that boat you you would or you would have certain things that you would want to know and we have an acronym for that it's called sick okay suddenly in command that's exactly what i'm talking about that's where i don't want to be but and and what many boat owners uh passengers 
what do you do if I have a heart attack? Right. They don't think about that. That's not on their mind. They, they, they're in good condition. They're, they're healthy. They don't think about what if something happens to them. If you hit a, a rough wake and maybe you hit your head and, and are suddenly unconscious, people on your boat need to understand what to do. How to when, operate it. Exactly. When I first got my boat, um, I was dating. Um, she's my wife now, but I was dating her at the time. And we, we went out on Norris a lot. And it was just usually me and her that were out on the boat. Well, I wanted to ski. I couldn't ski if she didn't know how to drive the boat. Right. So I began to teach her how to drive the boat, how to maneuver the boat, how to safely, you know, take me places, not take me right up to the shore when I'm skiing and things like that. And (laughs) being that Norris is a very, very difficult late to navigate, there are not really many markers up there or landmarks. There are a lot more now, but this was back in the 80s. Right. And I would be skiing and pointing down, you know, I want to go to that cove. I want to go down that channel or the main channel goes this way. I would be pointing where I wanted to go until she learned the lake and got familiar with the lake. But she knew my boat as well, pretty much as I did. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I took the time to teach her. Now, I don't teach everybody that gets on my boat that, but that's that's bad on my part. I should. So is that your responsibility as captain? Absolutely. Really? And it's also something that's going to be detrimental for you if you have a heart attack and everybody's standing around and not knowing what to do. Right. You know, I have a marine radio in my um, glove box. It's not out where you can see it, but I know it's there. But a lot of people that get on my boat would have no idea it's there. Well, as a as a Boy Scout, as you mentioned that I, I was in the past. I would want that information because I would want to be prepared if I went out on someone's boat. Absolutely. Because, and and that's know. what we do, boating safety courses. When we teach them, we encourage the whole family to come. Right. We usually ask them to buy one booklet, but we encourage the whole family to come and take the, the course. Exactly. So, uh, yes, we're here with Richard Swan. He's the public affairs officer for the United States Coast Guard Auxiliary, giving us some great useful tools about boating safety, especially on those waters. And now that we're coming into the most hottest time of the year. So you want to be out on a nice cool lake and having fun, but you want to do it safely. So come back after these messages and let's learn about everything you can to protect yourselves on the water. This is the housing hour. We'll be right back. Thank my lucky stars to be living here today Cause the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues Helping you understand what's really going on out there And what to do about it Again, Kevin Ray And we're back this is Mark Griffith filling in for Kevin Ray, who's not here today, but we got a great show that we're going to continue on with. And I uh, just want to remind everybody to check out thehousinghour.com and our social media platforms and everything you can think of, Facebook slash The Housing Hour, at Twitter, at The Housing Hour. So uh, interact with us, ask some questions. If you have some comments on this show, send it out there, put it out there, and uh, we'll even have our guests make a comment about it. So uh, if he can answer that question, and I'm sure that he can, because he's quite capable. Richard Swan, Public Affairs Officer for the United States Coast 
guard auxiliary. Great information so far, Richard. So let's talk a little bit about, so we talk about sick, uh, suddenly in command. And uh, what's, but there's probably age limits on the boat. So, uh, you know, it's like 18 if you drive or 16 when you drive a car. Um, Is that the rules apply for boating? Oddly enough, no. Um, And it has to do with there's so many bodies of water in the state of Tennessee that legislators wanted to make it so that someone could could take a fishing boat out. They could, could go out and have fun. And so the age in Tennessee is actually 12 years old. They do require that you have had boating safety education and that you have a certificate with you showing that you have complied with that education. Who, who offers that education? Is that something that can be gotten through the auxiliary? We offer that through the U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary. You can also go to Tennessee Boating Safety. Just Google that term or, or look that up through your search engine. And that's most likely going to be bring up a Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency website, and they will have information on there about that. Are these classes um, generally in-person type of classes, or can someone go online and get all this? You can do both. You actually can do it online through the TWRA and website and get a certificate. You have to pass a test, so you have to take a test. What they have recommended is they really recommend in-person education and certification. It's much better. A course. It is much better because, and and this is true when I'm doing a loan app with someone, I would rather talk with them face to face because I can look them in the eye and I can see when they've glazed over right. and they don't have a clue about the terminology or the nomenclature that I'm using. Right. So it's very important for me to then back up and say, I see or I sense that you're not understanding this. Right. Ask me a question. To how can I help? What what can I explain to you? And I want to just point out, Richard mentions that because he is not a career United States Coast Guard auxiliary officer, but he is a professional uh, mortgage uh, loan officer for Mortgage Investors Group. So um, we're going to talk about, I've got a couple of questions for you at the end, um, maybe at the end of the show about that particular thing. But let's go back into this boat now. So we got a 12-year-old, we're going on to this boat. Um, one of the things that was always kind of confusing to me was the use of flotation devices, your life jacket. Um, does everybody on board have to wear it? I know you have to have one for each person that's on board. What's the rules in that regard, and what's safe? The The rules are, and what is safe pretty much is the rules. The rules require that if you are under um, 12 years old, 12 or under, then you must wear it while you're underway. Um, so or, if you're driving the boat and you're 12, you can drive the boat, but you got to have a life jacket on. Yes. Period. Yes. Okay. And and that applies to all. And it's really a safety issue because a lot of times kids get to moving around. They climb on places where maybe they shouldn't. Um, the boat operator is looking at taking the, the boat down the channel and they're looking at where they're going. They're looking for sticks. They're looking for other obstacles in the water. So that's where wow. their focus is. And a child may fall overboard. Right. Um, at 12, they may not be great at swimming. And with a lot of people, once you fall overboard, there's a, a gasp reflex that occurs. And that life jacket will bring you back up to the surface because a lot of times people that fall overboard in a situation like that may not resurface. So that life jacket will bring you back to the surface. It'll help the people on the boat to locate you and offer assistance to you immediately. And so that's why they're required on, on children of that age. Now, the legal requirement is in the state of Tennessee, you have to have a life jacket, um, proper size, good condition, proper fit for every person on board. Now, 
think about that and and how many people and what ages and and sizes are they going to be when you get them on your boat and many people just go to the store and buy i want six adult life jackets and and they think they're covered right but that's not going to get you out of trouble if you're stopped by someone and they're checking for life jackets Mm -hmm. so you have to make sure they're the proper fit you have to make sure that they're in good condition that they are u.s coast guard certified and that they are the right type for the waters that you're boating on Around here, you can typically get by with a with a Type 3, which is the vest. In coastal waters, offshore areas, you would have to have a Type 1 or 2, um, which is more like the Fannie Mae. Um, not Fannie Mae, I'm sorry, the, the Mae West. You're going back to I your am, loan I'm going office back days. to my day job. <laughs> it would be more like the Mae West that you remember from Navy films and stuff. Oh, yeah. Right, and, right, right. and those are bulky. Those are cumbersome. Nobody ever liked wearing them as kids. Now, in this area, you can get kids comfortable vests that are easier to wear, that are not as hot as they used to be, so they don't mind wearing them while they're out and about. If you're at anchor or you're tied to a dock, then they're not required to have them on. The other key thing for everybody on board, the life preserver, the PFD, has to be readily accessible. Right. That's and, right. And that's where you're in going sight, to in find... In line of sight. In line of sight, you're going to find a, a problem with people that are stopping you, whether they be the Knox County Sheriff, Knoxville Police, TWRA. If they're stopping you and that's what they're looking for... If you have to open a cabin or if you have to go down below in your boat to find that life jacket for every person on board, they're probably going to write you a citation citation because it is not readily accessible. If it's still in the packaging, they're definitely going to write you a citation because it's not. Now, is this a fine when you say citation? It would be most likely would be a fine that gets into the legal side, which I don't. We don't deal with that. I don't. But it could be a, a punitive. Monetary yeah, it could penalty. be a pu- any any the same as if you're stopped in a traffic stop. I it's gotcha. it's going to be a fine. It's going to be a ticket. They're going to write a citation. Right. right, um, right. For, before you not having the proper safety equipment, fire right. extinguishers are required. Other types of safety equi- equipment, including your registration, the boat numbering that's on your boat, and that's very specific as to how that boat numbering has to appear. So if you buy a boat, you've got to be aware of all of that information and you've got to have all of that information and have all of that safety equipment on board. And it, and it's not just as simple as uh, putting it in the water and taking off. Once it, once you make sure that you have your flotation devices and everything checks out, you're ready to go. There are rules when you're out there on on the lake. Um, how do they compare to uh, driving you know down the street? There aren't a lot of signs out on the lake because there's nowhere to to put that post into the ground and right. say we're going to put a sign here. Right. So um, what I used and and when I first started boating, uh, my boat had a break in period and it recommended about a ten hour break in period. You know, the first hour or two you're running it basically at a little above idle speed. Then you slowly move up the engine and they wanted to condition the engine for use. They didn't want you to just Full, full throttle, full throttle right. the minute you got in the boat, boat and put it on the water. Right. So I spent a lot of time learning the lake that I was boating in, which at that time was Loudon and also Norris. So I spent time learning the lake, just cruising up and down, and I bought maps. Maps are available. One of the best maps is available from the Corps of Engineers, and it's a booklet. It's about an 8.5 by 14 booklet. It's spiral-bound. The pages are somewhat waterproof, so you can have the map for that portion of the Tennessee River 
that you're going to be on, and it will show you the coves, the buoys, which are markers, lane assignments. It'll show you where those are, and it'll it'll give you a lot of information. Yeah, and one of the things that I always noticed, because I had some of those charts on mine, I had a four-foot draft on it, so not everybody had that deep of a draft, but I would look for the shallow water and try to stay with my markers in the road. Um, explain to everyone the cans and their what are cans and buoys. Buoys are are floating objects in the water. They're usually green or red, um, and they're going to be your indicators of shallow water. Um, and the one thing I want to tell people about buoys, you cannot tie up to a buoy. That is against federal law, and that is a big one. I've so seen it. I've seen it I've several seen it. times. Um, I've heard stories of somebody that tied a dead cow to the to the buoy to get it off their farm. So you cannot tie anything up to a buoy. Um, but they're there to help you, and you really need to spend a lot more than we've got time for on this show right. to understand those buoys and how they work. Right. I know, because it, it does mark the channel. If you if you know how to read the buoys, the green and the red, red, right, returning. Right. That means you keep it on the right side of your boat when you're coming up river from the sea. And then you can position yourself with a green can, and you can kind of find out where that deepest part of that channel is. So it's really kind of important to understand the rules of the road in order to know what, what it's saying, because there's not that many markers on it. Absolutely. Yeah, so it, it's pretty good. Um, yeah, so when we come back after the, uh, the the break, we've got one last segment to go, and we're with Richard Swan, the public affairs officer for the United States Coast Guard Auxiliary, and he's doing a great job of unlocking this. We're going to ask him what's his top stuff that he we need to know when we come back after these messages. Stay with us. What about our freedom and this piece of ground? We didn't get to keep them by backing down. They say we don't realize the mess we're getting in. Before you start your preaching, let me ask you this, my friend. Have you forgotten how it felt that day? Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. And welcome back in. This is Mark Griffith, co-host, filling in for Kevin Ray, who can't be with us today. Um, the Housing Hour is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. So if you have any information, you need information on buying a home or refinancing or anything like that, give us a call at Mortgage Investors Group. Go to our website at mortgageinvestorsgroup.com or migonline.com, and uh, you can get everything that you need to know. And you can actually find Richard's mugshot without uniform. I mean, he <laughs> is, is in civilian clothes, but uh, he's not in the uniform. So yes. uh, that's pretty good. I am in uniform today. But he is in uniform today, so he, he doesn't really want to talk about mortgage mortgages because he's officially in uniform. So and that's I'm, pretty cool. And I'm representing the Coast Guard Auxiliary. Yes, and you're doing a fine job with that. Too, well, thank you, them, sir. So. I, it's a subject that I love. And, I can and tell that's that. basically what what our mission comes down to. We love boating. We're all civilians. We're all people that love the lakes. We love the water. We love boating. We want everybody out there to have fun. But at the end of the day, we want everybody to get back to the dock safely. And you know what? And that protects you too. 
Because if you can educate that person, then there's less like chance of him hurting you or doing something to destroy your property. Absolutely. You know, so I, I think that really benefits the community. And like you said, you want to, you want to go the next time out on the lake and have fun again. So these are the, the, the rules that you should, should really practice uh, daily. What are the things, uh, Richard, looking back over our conversation in, in the last three segments, have we covered most everything you think that's important? Is there anything out there? Well, for the for the people, recreational boaters that are out there to have a good time and they're out there to have fun, one thing that, that I have always tried to do with my boat is you can find people out on the water that can help you, but they're not going to have parts and they may not have pools, tools. I'm sorry. You're going to find people that have the knowledge, but if you carry spare parts, like my particular boat, which has given me excellent service, it's got a Mercruiser engine it's a sea ray boat i've had excellent service out of it but it chews up alternator belts really and the first time i found that out i was stranded (laughs) and so then what i started doing is i carry two or three alternator belts on my boat at all times so that it's easy because i can generally find somebody that and i and i carry usually tools on my boat Mine's only 20 feet, but i carry tools on it and i can generally find somebody out there that's got the knowledge and knows what to fix stuff that I can't, but I've got to have parts and tools. And so, so carrying spare, spare parts, if you know of something that typically gives you trouble, carry a spare to part, carry a set of cables, carry a battery charger, things of that nature that can help you get back on your way, enjoy the rest of your day. And, and, and if you know a mechanic, invite him on for this Sunday afternoon. Absolutely. <laughs> Say, um, hey, while we're out here in this cove, can you change the oil for me? You're pretty good with this stuff. <laughs> um, you, one of the things I, I you know, uh, when I was out with my boat, um, I remember several times bigger boats coming down the, the pipe, not necessarily barges, but much larger boats. And they were honking at me. You know, they just give me one honk. Well, I thought they were being friendly. <laughs> and so you waved and okay. <laughs> but there is a code that I learned because I, I did join the power squadron after the, you know, that's several, a good organization. They great, do a lot of good teaching as well. And, and then I learned what those people were, were trying to signal to me. Tell everybody they're, they're telling you which side that they want to pass you on. And so they're coming up most likely from behind and they're indicating that they want to pass you and which side they're going to pass you on. And you would respond with a a single. Similar. Horn. Yeah, you would so respond you, with your horn. So people sometimes think that's rude, but it's really communication. Um, most barges will have a marine radio. Um, and you can hail them on channel 16, or a lot of times 68 is a public channel. Um, and they will, you really need, if you're passing a barge, on the Tennessee River, you really need to call them and ask them what side they want to pass you on because they may realize that they're about to negotiate a curve. And while they may be on one side of the river, they're going to swing the rear or the front of that boat totally to the other side because they're going to use that whole space. And I can't emphasize enough to people that barges, because they are constrained by their draft, they have the right of way over almost any other vessel sailboats have a right-of-way but they don't have a right-of-way over barges because barges are constrained by their their weight and their size now i'll ask you another question since you were in the power squadron where do 
planes, seaplanes that are landing on the water, where do they fall in the pecking order? I would say that they are un, uh, vessel under distress, like a sailboat. So they get the right away. That is not correct. Oh. Because uh-huh. the rules were not written by pilots. The rules were written, <laughs> written by seagoing men and yeah. by boaters. So they actually come at the very bottom. Oh. <laughs> now. I've never seen a seaplane on our lakes. I, I have seen them flying over. Really? I've never seen one land okay. on a lake around here, but I have seen them flying over with the pontoons. And but that's one thing I, I also I had to learn was that the sailboats were considered always under distress. Have you ever heard that term? Yes. Um, so, and, so that and means... So they, because they are limited in their maneuverability, then they typically have the right-of-way over most vessels, but not necessarily over commercial vessels and not necessarily over very large vessels that are constrained by the, the, the width and the depth of the water. So, let, uh, so in this final min- minutes here, talk to us about the things that you will uh, teach in your, your organization. We talked about boat safety. It, it mentions on site about vessel. And I know that you do like uh, flat water paddling uh, safety classes. Absolutely. We, we teach those things that people are generally going to encounter. Encounter. We teach a little bit about uh, um, engine and maintenance and kind of the parts of your engine. We teach a little bit about um, the navigation on the waterways, understanding the buoys, how to read a map, um, day markers that are out there because we have some and we actually have, you'll notice beacons at night and you should be able to, yes. to, to drive from one flashing light to the next one in a straight line. Right. And and then go, once you're at the next one, locate the next one and drive straight to that. So a lot of people don't realize that, but that helps you navigate at night. And the main thing is we just help you understand information. We understand, we help you understand the legality and the legal requirements of what's required to be on board your vessel. And we teach you, it's also good to have an anchor. It's also good oh, yeah. to have additional dock deck lines. It's also good to have additional um, life jackets on board. But in addition to a life jacket, everybody also has to have a throwable. Um, oh, right. Like right, a right. life ring or a cushion, just something like that can be thrown just like it pools, something that you can throw to someone that's overboard. And life jackets don't throw that well. No. Um, because they're very buoyant, because they're they're bulky, they don't throw well, but a life ring will. And I have one on my boat. Right. I also have a couple of cushions. Um, but those are things that you need to be aware of. Now, typically, you're going to have a fire extinguisher on board, but don't try to fight the fire. Give up the boat. Right. Um, try ship. try with the fire extinguisher. If you can't get under control, then grab life jackets and get off the boat. Right. Um, because you're going to be most likely safer in the water around here than you're going to be on that boat. In coastal areas, then we recommend that you stay with the boat until the boat leaves you. Um, so stay with the boat until it sinks, because if a rescue helicopter is looking for you, they can much easier see an overturned boat than they can see your head bobbing in the water. Right. So those are things to, to, to just be aware of. And those are things we teach in the class. And I generally recommend that, that all families find a boating course near you, take your family Yes, it's class. Nobody really likes to do it, but we try to make it fun. I talk to people like I'm talking to you. I'm not preaching to people. I'm not harboring, well, this is the law, and you've got to follow it. 
I want you to be safe out there. You know, and, and it's just one, if you have kids that have uh, friends that have boats, it would be a good idea just, just to have your child educated in boat safety. For when they're invited out on somebody so when else's they're invited boat. out. So we talk to our kids about that because, you know, it's, it's, you, you'll, you'll find yourself out there on another boat. It's just a good idea. It's a good practice. It protects them. Put that life jacket on. Stick it on. Yeah. Leave it on. Don't take it off. Don't, just because it doesn't look cool, you know. Yeah, and it's and always a fashion. I mean, statement, my kid, right? my child growing up swam in his. Right, you know, he just played in the water with it and had it on the whole time. Right, right. Well, any last parting thoughts? We just have a few seconds, Richard. We want you to be safe out there. We want you to have fun on the water. Um, take a boating safety course. Um, contact somebody to find out that information. But enjoy the waterways, have fun, and uh, we're there to help you if we can. And I'm going to have all of this information up on thehousinghour.com so you can contact the United States Coast Guard Auxiliary Office and Richard directly if you'd wish to do that, and he can help you on. So we want everybody to be safe out there. Have fun, Summer. Take your time and learn this information. It's good source. This is Mortgage Investors Group, thehousinghour.com, saying goodbye. See you next time. With stars and stripes and eagle fly, we're the stars and stripes and the eagle That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. Also, check us out at thehousinghour.com. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.